Church, how you doing? Hey, guess, guess when I found out that I'm getting in the dunk take? When you found out. How about that? All right, uh, so that's nice to know. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome. So glad that you're trying us out this morning. Hopefully we can answer any of your questions. Here at Victory, we're about four things, growing, guiding, giving, and going. And I always try to highlight one of those right before we get into the message, and I've been kind of highlighting the give value of our church. And when we say give, we're talking about giving out of your purpose. And so God has created you. You heard John in the video say, you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. And we believe God created you in a unique way. Matter of fact, we say in Growth Track, you had a purpose before you had a name. And I love that. And God created you and designed you for a purpose. And we believe God wants to use that purpose in this church to add value to people's lives and to impact them. And last week, we got to highlight V Kids Elementary. And, and then we baptized seven elementary kids after service. Wasn't that incredible? That was wild. What a great day. And I want to take a second today, and I wanted to highlight our first impressions ministry. Our directors are Andrea and Malcolm Sheeler, and they are two of the best. Go on and give them a shout. And M Malcolm was the Dwayne Johnson looking fellow who was just up here a minute ago. And uh, this ministry is so important to our church. And here's why. We, we hear so many times that this church is so welcoming and so loving and all these different things. And I don't know about you, but the first time I ever went into a church, I came in, I sat down, I enjoyed the service and I got up and left. And, and I, I didn't realize that so much went into putting on a church service until I started serving and eventually started working at a church. And, and it does. So much stuff happens that people do. And, and here's one of the coolest facts about the church is you're just now seeing me. So you're just now seeing the pastor of the church and you have, impact, you have been uh, influenced by so many people getting in here from the parking lot team to the people that met you at the door to the lobby team to the auditorium host to the V Kids team where you dropped your kids off. There's all this different ministries that you're experiencing. And and here's what I love about first impressions is they are allowing most people to break down that wall so that they can really receive the word of God. And so I tell the first impressions team this all the time. There's been 146 salvations since we launched this church 18 months ago. And 146 people gave their heart to Jesus because of the first impressions ministry. And here's how I know that. Because people felt welcomed, they felt loved, and they came in here with their walls down and they could really hear the gospel. And so listen to me. First of all, can we just give a hand to those that serve in the first impressions ministry? Right? And then second of all, if you say, man, I really want to use my talents to impact people's lives, that's one of the ways you do it. And so I want to encourage you, if you're visiting or if you've been coming for a while, after church, Grow Track Step 1 will be happening. Go in there, learn about the church, and get involved and join the team so that you can be able to impact lives as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, do you got your Bibles? Are you ready for the Word of God? Woo! Hey, if you do, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 39. You either use your Bible, you can use your phone, or you can follow along with me on the screen behind me. We are in a series called Dream Again. This is the third week, as Pastor Brian said, and we have been following the life of a character by the name of Joseph and learning how to accomplish the dream that God has put in our hearts. I believe every one of us have a God-given dream, and we're, we're kind of walking this life out with Joseph to see exactly how we go from getting the dream to actually walking in the dream. And uh, the very first week, we introduced you to four questions that would kind of start it off. What is the dream God's given you? 
What's the role God plays? What's the role you play? And what is the role that others play? And that was, that was week one, and we gave journals out and said, hey, journal this. And, and then week two, last week, we talked about dream killers and how as soon as you start to have and operate in that dream God gave you, something's going to come and try to kill it. And so we talked about how God uses the, what the enemy wants to block your dream, to build your dream. And we said, hey, write those dream killers down and then pray about them and let God show you how they are dream willers instead. And I want you to really take note during this series because here's why. What we're going to go through, these six steps, they apply to every dream you'll ever have. And this isn't the only dream you're going to have. And it's going to be very interesting as we go. But today, today, just for a moment, I want to talk to you about the distraction of your dream. What, what tries to distract you from it? So when we left off with Joseph, Joseph was being sold into slavery to a, a group of Ishmaelites. And what they ended up doing is they ended up going to Egypt and they sell Joseph to a gentleman by the name of Potiphar who works for Pharaoh. So Potiphar works for Pharaoh. They sell Joseph to him and Joseph becomes his personal slave. All right. And we're about to pick up there. Uh, chapter 39, verse 6 it says, so Potiphar left everything that he had in Joseph's care. So Joseph works for Potiphar. Joseph is operating in the favor of God. And Potiphar says, here, I trust you so much. I'm going to leave everything I have in your care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So Joseph was such a good employee and such a good uh, slave and then eventual kind of right hand that Potiphar said, I just trust you with everything. Only thing I'm going to worry about is what a brother's eating. And so now Joseph was well-built and handsome, all right? So we're getting some description about Joseph. Well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of him. Mm -hmm. And she said, let's Netflix and chill. She said, come <laughs> to bed with me. But he refused. Joseph says, no. He says, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house. And everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. And no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has, has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or to even be with her. Joseph gets this dream from God and he starts to chase this dream and he ends up being sold into slavery. Now he's working for Potiphar. And in the process of kind of getting back on the track of things, God's favors on his life, Potiphar started to bless him with more and more authority. Out of nowhere rises up this opportunity to be distracted from the dream that God has put in his heart. And what I want to talk to you for just a moment is how you and I have an opportunity as we move forward toward our dream. There will always be an opportunity that rises up to distract us from what God is ultimately wanting to achieve in our hearts. And one of the ways, and one, two of the ways that I believe that that distraction comes is through our own desires. Nobody can stop you from pursuing and reaching the dream God has given you. But your desires have the ability to distract you from that dream and make you miss out. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like you were kind of on the road to success, right? You were start, things were starting to kind of happen good for you. And then you got to a place where you self-sabotaged. You ever been there? Like, like, man, for some reason, every time I start kind of making lead way, I find a way to self-sabotage. And, and why does that happen? It's because the enemy knows that he can use our own desires against us so that when we start to make lead way on where God wants us to be, he can move us back 
to where we were. And I want to give you those two desires that I believe he operates through today. And here's number one. He gets us with what we can't have. We get distracted from the dream that God has for our life by what we can't have. Look what it said in verse 7. After a while, his master's wife took notice of him, and she says, hey, come to bed with me. And he refuses. He says, with me in charge, my master doesn't concern himself with anything. I've got everything entrusted to me. No one's greater in this house than I am. Now watch this. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Joseph says, everything's mine. Everything's entrusted to me. And the only thing that I cannot have is you. The, the only exception is you. There's just one thing. Just I can have all of this stuff, but there's just one thing I cannot have. And here comes that distraction. And the enemy, a lot of times, when we start pursuing the dream God has for our life, he will come at us with the one thing we cannot have. I'm actually learning that the moment you and I start to pursue the dream that God has given us, we can expect a distraction to rise up and watch this. It will urge us to trade what God willed for what we want. When that desire pops up, you've got, you've got what, what God willed over your life, and in comes this desire, and there's a temptation to trade what God willed for what we want. Let me give you some examples. Let's start right off the bat with Satan himself. Satan, if you know the story, he's actually an angel in heaven, and God has willed for him to be in heaven and to be the leader of music, and he trades what God willed for his life for what he wants, which is God's position, and that's what starts this whole thing to begin with. Then we get into Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had every tree in the garden. God willed for them to be in paradise with nothing. You can have every tree in the garden, just not this tree. And they traded what God willed for what they wanted, right? Take David. David, God willed for him to be this incredible king that did all these incredible things. And there's an opportunity where there's a woman bathing on the roof. And David trades what God willed for what he wanted, Hear me, church, when you start allowing the dream that God has given you to materialize in you, the enemy is going to bring a distraction that says, what do you want? And are you willing to trade what, you, what God willed for your life for what you want? And the more I study it, here's what I'm learning, that the enemy has created a pattern that tries to convince God's children to downplay their dream to make room for their desires. I'm going to downplay what God's doing in my life so that I can make room for what I want. Y'all remember the saying FOMO? Y'all remember when that came out? FOMO was real, real popular. Not FUBU, okay? FOMO. 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 F-O-M-O. It stood for uh, fear of missing out. And I was studying that a little bit this week, and, and I kind of went back to the origin of that, and the guy who came out with the word or, or started the craze, FOMO, he originally was going to call it FOBO. So it really originally wasn't FOMO, it was FOBO, F-O-B-O, and it stood for fear of a better offer. So it wasn't fear of missing out, it was fear of a better offer. And I thought about that and how, 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 uh, how interesting it is for Joseph to say, hey man, everything's mine. See the pool outside? That's mine. See the big screen TV? That's mine. See the PlayStation? That's mine. I can have anything I want. See the Lexus? The Maybach? Hey, it's, I, I'm, it's all been entrusted to me. Everything is mine except 
you. And as soon as he starts to state that, as soon as he starts to list all the things that God has given him and entrusted with him, here comes a distraction that claims to be a better offer. Hear me. The enemy is going to always try to convince you that what he wants for you is a better offer than what God already has planned for you. And so many of us, we get caught up in what we want, and the enemy starts convincing us that we need it and that it's a better offer because we look at where we are and what we're doing compared to where we really want to be. And the enemy starts to say, this is a better option for you. You should go with this option. And without even realizing it, we trade what God has willed for our life for what we want And we end up with this bowl of soup, if you know the story of Jacob and Esau, when we miss out on the birthright that God had for our life. And there are so many people that have made that trade, and they look back now and go, man, I wish I would have never done that to begin with. I was reading this story this week, and you've probably heard of this because it's kind of familiar. It's it's called the ring-tailed monkey. Have y'all heard about the ring-tailed monkey? The ring-tailed monkey is in Africa, and from what I understand, it is one of the hardest monkeys to catch. It's almost impossible to catch. But then something interesting started to happen, and it made these monkeys really easy to catch. And here's what happened. The ring-tailed monkey discovered this melon that they love, the taste of the seeds in the melon, and the melon hangs from a vine on the tree. And so they'll go to the melon, and they'll stick their hand in the melon, right? So they'll bust through the melon. They'll grab the seeds, but when they go to pull their hand out, because their fist is made with the seeds, their hand's stuck. And so the only way that they could get their hand out is they'd have to let go of the seeds, pull their hand out, and move on. But they are so stingy about these seeds that they want, this is what they desire, that they hang on to them and they're just stuck. So you can walk up to these trees and there's just ring-tailed monkeys stuck all throughout them because of their hand. And so the guys who are catching them just walk up and pick them right off. It's so funny to me because they will refuse to give up on those seeds, so they literally give up their freedom. And the more I read this story, I thought, God, this is what's happening to God's children. We are literally giving up our dreams because we don't want to give up on our desires. We hang on to those things. I really want this. It feels really good. I like this. I don't want to give it up. And so we don't give it up, and we just hung there, stuck, just waiting for the enemy to come and catch us. And all we'd have to do is let that thing go, and then freedom follows it. But we don't want to give it up, and so we hang on to it, and we lose out on what God's dream ultimately is for our life. The only way, hear me, the only way that you and I are going to get all that God has for us is when we're willing to give up all that we had for ourselves. The second we're able to say, hey, God, this is what I wanted, but I'm willing to give that to you, then we can get all that God has for us. I was reading this story multiple times this week, and I got to verse 10, and I saw something I had never seen before. I don't know if you ever, I've always heard kind of when people tell me the story ad lib, you know, Joseph ran away from her. He flee. He fleed from his desire, all those kind of things. But in verse 10, I saw something I'd never seen before, and watch this. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, which meant every day there she was, right, uh, like looking just like a desperate housewife, just trying to holler at and it says, he refused to go to bed with her, watch this, or even be with her. So Joseph, not only did he refuse to be with her intimately, he refused to be with her at all. He refused to hold a hand. He refused to hug a neck. He just refused. He was completely denying his desires, right? And as I'm reading this, here's here's what's ironic about this, the irony of this, is that here's Joseph pursuing the dream God's put on his heart, and he is single-handedly denying all of his desires Meanwhile, you and I are surrounded by a Christian culture that's trying to justify theirs. 
We are living with a Christian culture where people want what they want and what God wants, right? I, I want to be able to have that, and so I'll just compromise my convictions, and I'll move into this realm that says, well, God wants this for me, and I'll compromise, and I, I, I want these desires, and I want what God desires, and yet Joseph is modeling for us that you can't always get what you want, Okay? Because what God has for you is always bigger than what you have for yourselves. And there'll have to be a moment where you're going to have to deny your desires to be able to walk and step into what God has for you. And you say, Troy, wait a minute. Week one, you said that God's dream leads you to your desires. Yes, I, am, I was telling the truth then. Because I said you have desires that are then... Uh, they're polluted now, but they begin to be processed through God's purpose for your life, and the desires of your heart shift to what God had planned for you. But right now, we're selfish. Right now, we're full of sin. Right now, we want our desires, and Joseph was denying them. Listen to me. If anybody could have justified compromising, it's Joseph, and I'll give you two quick reasons. The first reason you could go, eh, theologians say that Potiphar knew that his wife was unfaithful. So it's not like it was a big surprise, right, to him. But let's, let's push that one aside because somebody else has given us that. But I will tell you this. The literal process for slavery in that time was this. You do what the master says or you get your head cut off. So it's either do what they say or die. Think about this. Joseph is in a room and here's his options. Sleep with this pretty woman or die, right? Netflix and chill, get your head cut off, which, I mean, none of us in this room are battling these kinds of choices, okay? There is no sin that you're tempted to do right now that your other option is you have to die right now if you don't do it. Like, it doesn't work that way. So if anybody was justified to compromise, it was Joseph, but he didn't. He didn't change his convictions to fit his culture because he understood that a God dream makes you different. And when you and I have a God dream, it makes us different. When you're pursuing something God's put in your heart, it makes you different. You walk different. You talk different. You speak different. You, you text different. You party different. You do everything. You act different. Yes, I understand you might want those things, but you don't pursue them because you want what God has for your life. Amen? My, my children, uh, they, they are obsessed with desserts. Anybody else know anybody like that? Okay, thank you. Um, they may have gotten it from their father. And so when they eat, I'm almost convinced they eat to get dessert. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like they just suffer through dinner so that they can get dessert. It's like, how much of this sandwich do I have to eat to justify getting dessert? Because that's all I'm going to eat. And so one Monday night, uh, they had eaten dinner. It was kind of early. They had eaten dinner. And, and we had like this little basket. It might still be Halloween candy. And don't judge me. I'm not 100% sure. And so um, I don't know where it came from because my wife don't buy candy. But it's filled with candy. And so when it's dessert time, they're like, you know, get the basket. So we get the basket down. They can pick a piece of dessert out. And so I knew it was dessert time. And instead of even trying to fight it, I just said, Veda. What would you like for dessert? And I, before she even answered, I went to the basket, and I got the basket down, and one of their favorite things in there is the little peanut butter cups. You know what I'm talking about? The little gold just look like, that's manna, right? just, just falling down. And so I said, you want, you want a Reese's cup? And she goes, no, I don't, I don't want dessert tonight. And I was like, be still my heart. Like, what? Did you go keto? Like, what is happening right now? I don't know what's happening. And she goes, no, 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 I don't, I don't want that. 
And so I said, you don't, you don't want, a, and I actually did not say you don't want any dessert. I just said, you don't want a, you don't want a Reese's cup? And she goes, no, no, I don't. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I put that down. I went and put the basket up, left her to herself. I went and sat on the couch. And then all of a sudden, something hit me. And I remembered that it was Monday. And on Monday, Crumble Cookie releases its new cookies. <laughs> and on this Monday, I'm just going to go ahead and show you real quick. They had released what's called the Ego Waffle Cookie. <laughs> hey, you know in the Bible, when you read in Genesis, the Bible says that God provided them manna to eat. Is it M-A-N-N-A? That's what they provide them, manna. And people are always talking about what that is. I believe, I believe that God's manna was this Ego Waffle Cookie. <laughs> and here's how I know. Because I was with six people, and when we ate it, everybody went, man, ah, like it was just, it's fantastic. So that's how you know. And so then I realized this, watch this. I caught my daughter's plan the whole time, and this is what it was. She didn't want the Reese's Cup because she knew what? This was going to be an option later on that night. So my nine-year-old was this intelligent. She said, why am I going to settle for that little bitty Reese's peanut butter cup when in about three hours, I know we're going to walk into a place that when I walk in, I get fatter. You know what I'm talking about? As soon as I smell, it's like roll, roll, roll. It just happens. And so she knows. She's like, I can have this or I can have that. And this is what I want us to understand, that when it comes to the dream God's put in our heart, we can have this or we can have whatever little desire that we think is going to be fulfilling. Listen, we need to be able to start taking the mindset of Veda that says, hey, I don't want none of that because I know what I'm going to get. And so I'm willing to trade that for this. If you'll give me this, you can keep that. Understand? But man, the enemy loves to pop up. You start pursuing, oh, I want to do this for God. I want to do that for God. All of a sudden, it'll pop up. Well, here's what you can't have. Think about how many, you can take that, anybody's going to be able to focus on me preaching. <laughs> Mouth's watering, insulin's going high, you know. But think about it, how many times have you started thinking about doing something great for God and people want, to, want you to focus on what you won't be able to have if you do it? Man, I gotta go to church, man. You're going, you're going this early? Yeah, yeah. Well, why? Well, we got to set up. What are you setting up for? Well, we're in a school. Why would you go to a church in a school? Don't you realize you could be sleeping right now, right? If you go up, 146 people say, that's why I'm going. You understand? Like people want to point out what you can't have. Why are you going to the gym? You understand you're not going to be able to eat dessert. People always want to focus on what you can't have. But that's what the enemy wants to distract you from your dream with. Second is this, what you refuse to give up. Thank you, gentlemen. I told them they could have a crumble cookie if they bring this out for me. So. They didn't even sit with their wives. They said, we're getting that cookie. So the first thing, first distraction that will pop up is what you can't have. If you do that for God, you're not going to be able to do this. You know, if, if you pursue God, you won't be able to do this. See, see what all they're doing? You won't be able to do any of that. And he'll distract us from what God wants to do. And the second thing is this. He'll distract us with what we refuse to give up. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, this is Paul talking, he says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and then put on your new self. So Paul, listen to me, Paul says, when you meet God, you've got all these desires, and when you meet God, those old deceitful desires should come off of you, it can take time, but they should come off of you, and then you should put on a new self 
That's holiness and righteousness. That's the dream that God has for your life. And I've read this verse, y'all, a hundred times. But as I was studying Joseph over these past couple months, it stood out to me more than ever. And here's why. Because when you study Joseph, you can actually begin to see that his desires are played out like coats in a closet. For every new season, there's a new desire that comes with a new garment. Okay? Let me explain. The very first time we met him, in Genesis chapter 37, if you were here the first week, he had the coat of many colors. And y'all remember I talked about this. This was the coat that his dad gave him and when he was 17 years old. And this coat represented uh, the fact that he was a favorite. It, it, it kind of represented his success and his status. And, and at 17 years old, he walked around in this. And it made me think about our lives like this. This coat would represent for you and me the desires that we have at a young age. Often those desires are very self-focused, right? Very status-focused. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. Why? Because I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> we have these desires. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a pop star. Why? Because I want everybody to clap and look at me. You know, it, it's kind of a selfish thing. And that, that's what this represented was the early desires. What's funny about this jacket, though, is that the Bible says that his brothers took it off of him poured some type of animal's blood on it, and then they presented it to his father and were pretended like Joseph had been killed by an animal. So watch this. If you notice, a lot of times the early desires in our life get taken away. I'll prove it to you. When I was young, I wanted to sing. That's what I wanted to be. I was like, I'm going to be a pop singer. I mean, I don't know who was the, I, at first I wanted to be Eminem, um, because he made white rapping a thing, you know? Uh, and, and then I wanted to sing, and, and, and here's what I found out, that most people in here is why they're laughing, because they are very aware that I cannot sing. And so th that's, how, that's how that was taken away from me, right? That, that it wasn't that I didn't, I still want to do it. I stand over here, I'm not worshiping, I'm just trying to get up on stage every time. And so I just want to do it, but I, I can't. And then once that dream died, right, guess what? Then I wanted to play professional basketball, all right? Do you see the problem already? Okay, at 5'10", I stopped. It just, it just, I was like, boo, 5'7", 5'8", 5'9". I'm like, this is going to happen. And then, boom, it just stopped. Also, I didn't have the talent. But you know what I mean? The height wasn't there, okay? The height wasn't there. And so, again, it was just kind of taken away from me. And here's what I'm learning about our desires, that there are some desires you get at a young age that just get taken away from you. And that's the season Joseph was in in 37. He had some young desires that were just taken away from him. But in chapter 39, there's a different coat. The scripture calls it a cloak. But for the sake of this illustration, we're going to refer to it as a coat. And this coat or cloak is what identified him as a slave to Potiphar. So the coat he's wearing identifies him as his slave. This coat represents our desires that enslave us. Okay? These are the desires that we want to stop, but we can't stop. These are the desires that keep us away from fully experiencing all that God has for our life because we feel enslaved by them. Matter of fact, uh, Paul talked about them and he said this. He said, There's so, there are things that I don't want to do, but I do. And then there are things that I want to do, but I can't do. And he was talking about these desires that we wear that have enslaved us. And if you notice that, listen, when, when, when Joseph got around other slaves, they knew whose slave he was. They knew that he was Potiphar's. They understood that. Listen, 
sometimes we can get so addicted to these desires that when we walk into a room, we're identified by them, right? Think about it. That's who they are. He's an addict. That's who, that's who they are. And those desires become our identity, and we wear them, and it's what, watch this, it lets people know who our master is. And that's what these desires are. And it's interesting to me because these desires aren't snatched away. These desires are driven more by a choice. And you see it happen, Genesis 39, verse 12, and it's the most incredible moment, and I believe, in the story of Joseph. And if you don't, if you don't pay attention to it, you'll pass right by it. It says, she caught him by his cloak. I love that. So, so baby, come in for a second. Stand right here just for a second. I have to use you because this is going to get real uh, rated R in a second. And so... Um, so, so understand that, that, that this is an illustration. Okay, get saved, people. And so, um, so, so Potiphar's wife says, come to bed with me. I, I got in-game Avengers. Let's Netflix and chill. And Joseph says, this can't happen. And he goes to run. And grab, grab right here. He goes to run, and it says she gets him by his cloak. So now, Joseph, here's this problem, right? What do I do? I'm, I'm kind of caught by this desire, and I have to make a choice. I can either keep my coat and stay, or I can take off my coat, leave my coat, and go. So watch this. What Joseph is, he's in a place of a decision to either give in to his desire or to give up his desire. See what I mean? And he left it. Okay, but let me take it back. He left it, and everybody, thank you. You, you. You're cute. Can you sit down? Okay. Um, so, so the Bible says, and it says in the verse, but he left his cloak, where? In her hand. So Joseph learned that spin move. Y'all see that? I didn't even practice that. That's the Holy Spirit. And he came out of that desire, and this is a problem for most of us, is we want the dream that God has for us, but we're in the middle of a decision. Do you give in? You can justify it. You really can. Oh, I've tried before. The Bible said she came to him day after day. Listen to me. I did, the, I did the research for you. The Bible said that he worked for them 13 years. That's 4,015 days. 4,015 days she came after him. I came to tell you something prophetically right now. You might be on your 4,014th day. There is a 4,015th day that God will set you free, set you completely free. But it's a decision. And so he's got this decision he has to make. Do I give in or do I give up? Do I give in or do I give up? And Joseph chose to give it up and leave it behind. And, and I was thinking about this. This is so good. I was like, God, why? Why is it so hard for us to give it up? Like, I understand we start to process addiction and, and, and uh, temptation and kind of what all that brings. Do not hear me belittling any of that. Uh, mental illnesses, things like that. But, but God showed me it from a different angle. I was like, why, why don't we choose to just give it up? And he said, what's the next coat? So I kept studying the next coat. The next coat represents prison clothes. Because what Joseph did know and what we know is that because Joseph left that, he went to prison. So now he's got on prison clothes. And I was like, all right, God, I get you. But the last time I checked, not many of us are going to prison because we denied to do that desire. I mean, it's just as cool as it could be. God said, but what did you say at the beginning of the sermon? I said, well, when we, when we give up our desire, we get in the attitude of we can't have. And he said, that's your prison. You don't want to give up the desire because you know you'll put yourself in a personal prison that lives your life going, oh, I can't have it. 
Oh, I wish I could have it. Oh, I don't get to have it. Nothing drives me crazier than being with Christians and people are doing something they no longer can do because, not because the Bible says so, but because their character tells them not to. And they go, oh, I can't do that. Like, you can't do that? It puts you in this prison. And so here's what I'm realizing. Watch this. Is that for most of us, there's a battle going on between the two coats. One coat is what we refuse to give up and the other coat is what we can't have. And so there's this constant battle and when it comes to going after the dreams that God has for our life, we spend so much time debating these two things. Well, well, this is what I refuse to give up because I really like it and if I give this up, then I don't get to have it and then I find myself, and we go on and on and on and watch this. We become so focused on these two coats that we become distracted from the dream. We forgot the dream altogether. And the entire time, we never even get to put on that coat. Man, what is that? You don't get to find out today. Because we're not there yet. Because first we have to make a decision between these two coats. Because before we get to put on that coat, we got to be willing to let go of these. Can I tell you what I'm learning about a dream First of all, thank you for letting me preach this series because I've learned stuff about a dream I've never known before. And if you don't get anything else, if you don't write another thing down, you need to write this down. I found out there's a new purpose for our dream. So what does that mean? I always thought that Joseph's dream was about perseverance. You know, I mean, y'all have heard, surely you've probably heard the story in one way before where it's like Joseph goes from the pit to the palace and if you just keep dreaming you'll go from the pit to the palace it doesn't matter where you are now you just believe that God will use you and he'll get you out of the pit and he'll take you to the palace and it's all about if I'll just put my nose down and I'll just work hard enough my dream will eventually and it's all this concept about perseverance oh well it's hard and it's hard and dream killer you just keep on going Jeff you keep on doing it. And if you, if, you, if you ignore your wife and you don't care about your finances, you, you don't go to, you'll get your dream. You'll eventually get your dream. And watch this. Your dream becomes an idol. And now the dream is the distraction for the dream. Because here's what I'm learning. That the purpose of the dream is not perseverance. The purpose of the dream is pruning. God gives you a dream because he wants to remove things out of your life. There are things that you're obsessed with and there's things that you keep wanting to keep on and there are decisions you keep making and God says, look, if you want what I have for your life, you've got to be willing to give up on some desires and be willing to not have some things so that I can get you to a place where you are ready to receive what I have for your life. It's about pruning. If you've ever thought to yourself, God doesn't have a dream for me. If you've ever evaluated your talents, your gifts, your knowledge, your spirituality, and gone, there's no way God has a dream for my life. You are looking at the dream for the wrong reason because you are assessing it as God going to use you to do great things. 
God's already using you to do great things. You are raising children. You have a happy marriage. You're building a church. You're working a job. You're already doing great things. You love Jesus. The dream was never about your status or to make you successful. The dream was to prune areas and things out of your life till you could get to the place that God wants you to be operating in the purpose and in the will and in the process that he had for you to begin with. It's about pruning. It's about whether or not you'll give up what you don't want to give up. And watch this. Once we do it, God realizes that now it's time. Let me show you. I'm almost done. Genesis 41, verse 14. Watch this. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Joseph was in prison for 13 years. And now is the time, out of nowhere, now is the time that Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Now is the time. Why is now the time? Here's why now is the time. Because at 17, when Joseph's desires were about him, his words were, let me tell you my dream. 13 years later, after he's made some hard decisions, Joseph's words are, tell me your dream. There's a maturity process that's happening, Joseph. Joseph has changed. He said no to some desires, and he gave up some things he didn't want to give up. And God said, you're ready. And here's my favorite thing. And if I had a mic, I'd drop it. Watch this. Can you put that verse back up there for me? I'm sorry. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon, from prison, where they had him shaved, and he what? Changed his clothes. And we're about to find out that Joseph's about to have the opportunity to put on this coat because he was willing to give up those. God's put a dream in your heart to make you the man and the woman that God wants you to be. And he gives you these distractions so that you will make a turn and forego your dream. Because if you forego the dream, you'll miss out on all that God wanted to do in you and through you. So my question for you today is this, what is the desires that God wants you to give up? What's the thing that you refuse to let go? What's the issue that you want, but you're afraid if you go after God, you can't have? Because that is the thing that's costing you the dream and the purpose that God has for your life. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word and your faithfulness. I thank you that you gave us a dream and the dream wasn't just for us to be successful. I understand that success and status often comes as a byproduct of a God dream, and that's okay. But we're learning more than ever that the overall purpose of the dream that you've put on our heart, God, is to shape us into the man of God you want us to be, to shape us into the woman of God that you want us to be, to shape us into the marriage, to shape us into the employee, to shape us into the boss, the friend that you want, the parent that you want us to be. And so, God, I pray right now over every one of us that you would just start to reveal in a way that only your Holy Spirit could do. You would start to reveal to us the things that we are caught up on, that we refuse to give up, that you want to prune out of our lives 
so that we can walk in the victory that you have for us, so that we can experience what it's like to be that man of God, to be that woman of God. Speak to our hearts right now. There are things that we are giving into that, God, your word is asking us to give up on. There are things that the fear of not being able to have them keeps us from diving all into the purpose that you have for our lives. And, Lord, we want, we want ultimately the coat that you have for us, the dream that you have for us. But in order to get it, we've got to be willing to make some hard decisions about the other desires in our lives. So God, give us strength, give us wisdom this morning, give us direction and leading, and may your Holy Spirit give us strength. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said?